From the beginning, we started Everyday Driver to help people find cars they will love. Commuting is a chore, but driving should be fun. If you like to drive, then there are cars where your budget, needs, and fun all intersect, and we want to help you find them. I'm Paul. I'm Todd, and this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hey, car enthusiasts. Welcome back to the Everyday Driver Car Debate. We are here to very much try to find your next car. We're here to help you find the next car you should buy. Whether that's a Absolutely. track car, whether that's your family car, whether that's even a minivan, okay, I'll go there. <laughs> no, 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 we're not going there. We, we want, look, there are plenty of... We, I, there are plenty of cars that will do the A to B thing. We're not worried about the A to B thing. You can buy terrible automobiles that will get you where you need to yeah, go. Yes, true. We want you to like what you drive. We want well, you to look in your driveway with the keys in your hand and be like, that is my car. All right, That's all right, why all right. we're here. We're here to help you find your next car. We'll leave it at that. There Whether that's a track car or something else that you love to drive. And as a matter of fact, we have two car debates for today's podcast that one is a track car and one is really more of an all-around car. This is going to be this person's daily driver. Yep. But both of them fall into the category of trying to not be a Miata, which is strange. <laughs> we have Edward in Atlanta, and his, he and his wife recently got into track days. And we've got Kevin in Houston, who is trying to figure out what other cars he should buy besides a Miata. Interesting point. Yeah, we we do have both of those. I thought it was interesting to have both of these on the same podcast, especially considering that before we get to those car debates, what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about the brand new Miata. <laughs> as a matter of fact, <laughs> yeah, it as just of yesterday, there was this. Yeah, there was this reveal. When we're recording this, uh, we're recording this about a week before you'll hear it. So actually, about four or five days before you hear it. And the reveal was yesterday. And here's the thing. Normally, I'm not a guy that wants to talk about reveals or concept cars because there's so much smoke and mirrors and PR going on that I, I kind of want to avoid it until all of the stats are out and it's real. However, this is one of those car reveals that has tried hard to break the internet. I mean, the, the fact that a new Miata has been shown to the public has been on all sorts of websites that relate to cars and all of the places that don't normally relate to cars are also talking about it. So I feel we'd be remiss if we don't discuss it. So I want to discuss the ND, the fourth generation coming out for the 25th anniversary. Here is the fourth generation Mazda Miata. Well, you're right. This car has <laughs> nearly blown up the internet. And because of all the hype surrounding it, I almost was expecting more. But then I had to realize what is the car we're talking about? We are back to basics and the pure joy, the simple joy of driving. And we are reading about this car as you are. It is mm -hmm, supposed mm -hmm. to be 2,200 pounds, which is barely heavier than the very first NA generation. It's lighter than the NB, but this car is really back to basics. What other car can you think of on the market right now that is 2,200 pounds? Well, that's the thing. I mean, the, the, the Miata has always been about essentially taking the classic British roadsters, but making them reliable. And it is shocking to think about the fact this car has been around, not only just for the, this being the fourth generation, but 25 years now this yeah. car has existed. Yeah. That is shocking. And it is the most successful sports car ever, even more successful in just sheer numbers than the Porsche 911. Even though this car that's gets amazing. discounted, 
It is a wild success for Mazda. It is alone in the marketplace at that kind of success. And here's the thing. Yes, 2,200 pounds. I'm going to put that in perspective real quick based on cars we talk about a lot. That is 200 pounds heavier than a Lotus Elise, which is pretty much the lightest thing that you're going to legally get on an American road. So 200 sure. pounds only, heavier. So essentially a passenger heavier than a Lotus Elise. But here's the thing that I find interesting. That is 500 pounds lighter than the FRS BRZ. Yep, yep. And we don't have any specs quite yet as far Nobody as power, does. that kind of thing. So we are guessing the two liter Skyactiv engine I think Probably. that makes 184 horsepower in uh No, 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 the that's the big three. one. The two and a, the, the, the two and a half does uh, the 184. So the, the two liter guy is their smaller of the two engines. I can't imagine they'll put the two five in. The two the two liter engine is their 150 horsepower or 155, something like that. But roughly 150 horsepower, 150 pound feet of torque. What's interesting about that is in this small package that will matter. That is, if you want to think about it, the same torque as the FRS BRZ but 500 pounds lighter. Now, 500 pounds, to give you sure. another frame of reference, is the difference between the weight of the FRS and the weight of the 370Z. Now, those cars feel almost like they're in different classes with that 500-pound weight difference. The weight really is the key talking point about this car. That, of course, and the way it looks. It is, although I would expect that engine has to make more power than the current car because the NC makes, what, 170 horsepower? Something in that range? So if they yeah, go like 170, 140. Yeah, but but here's the I, thing. I think They're going to go backwards. Okay. Yes, weight is the the big selling point here, but if they don't put more power in this car than 170, I don't think I'm going to be sold on it. Yes, it's cool. Yes, it's a driving experience, but it's only got to go up in power for me. I would hope so, but I think I don't think that's going to happen. And to be honest with you, I'll be shocked if it comes in more than that 150, 150, uh, you know, 150 horsepower, 150 torque engine. I'll tell you my fear. My fear is they have a smaller Skyactiv engine waiting in the wings to debut with this car, like a 1.5 or a 1.8 running 120 uh, horsepower. That's smaller displacement and smaller power. Yes. Yes, yes. I'm, that's my fear here. I hope that's not the case. Of course, we have no idea of the steering feel, right. which will be electric. We have no idea of anything other than it's going to be light. And I have to say, I think it looks amazing. You do? Huh. I'm, yes. I'm intrigued here, by that because I don't. I, I, I will say two things about it. I don't think it really looks much like a Miata. It has, it has left... The, the the rest of the generations look like a Miata. This has become angrier. It's become sharper. It looks like a direct cross between the BMW Z4 and the Honda S2000. I actually think it looks better as a result, but I don't think it looks like a Miata. Now, I find it just personally, just looking at the photos that I've seen, and again, I'd love to see it in person. We would right, drive it, of right. course. But just based on the photos and the stuff that we've seen, this is a Miata that I am completely intrigued to drive and personally, based on looks only, because that's all we have, would probably own. Interesting, because I think the profile here looks just like the Miata when it came out. It It's virtually unchanged, kind of in the 911 category for me. And the first front pictures, the front clip that I saw, I thought, okay, I can see what, what's going on. And for a classic Roadster shape like this one, you can't go too over the top. Mazda sure. has introduced quite a few wild and 
frankly, good-looking styling themes on many of their new cars. So mm -hmm. in that sense, I was expecting more on this car, but then I realized, okay, they can't go too much because to look good as small a shape as this is, it's not a very big yeah. car. No, it's tiny. You, you can't go too far out there with a lot of style increases and themes. But I did notice the headlights looked fussy. They looked too squinty and too small for the car, frankly. And so it, it kind of put me off. I was expecting a little bit friendlier face and mm -hmm. a, a little bit uh, better proportions in terms of grill to headlight shapes and sizes as well. Those headlights are pretty low. And so low, I came away thinking, eh, I'm not quite convinced yet, but photos don't do any car justice. Yeah, you have to see this car in person and how it sits on the road. It's it's squinting a bit in the face, I'll give you that, but I like that face so much better than the NC, and I, I honestly think styling-wise, it's a big, big win. Again, like I say, I don't think it looks like a Miata of the Miatas of old, but I personally am okay with that. I am praying, and of course it'll be a rumor until it maybe happens, maybe doesn't, I'm praying they'll give a full hard top coupe on this version because that would look awesome, and that's the one that I would buy. But, you know, who knows? Yeah. I also think that well, the, the, the tail lights have a little bit of the, the F-type in it. Now, not nearly as attractive like the F-type's uglier sister, but it has a little <laughs> bit of the F-type light shape, and I the, the back is the only part I'm not completely sold on, but I really do feel like there's a lot of S2000 reborn in this styling. There kind of is, mostly in profile for me. I agree with you. I'm not convinced about the rear styling yet or the shape of the taillights. I think it looked like an argument where nobody won, especially, yeah, as the taillights wrap around the corner of the car. And moving to the inside, I noticed the paint, the body color, wraps over the door sill and continues mm, over mm -hmm, at, at your mm -hmm. shoulder. And personally, I'm not a fan of that. It sort of smacks of Volkswagen Beetle to me. You know how the, the new well, reborn Volkswagen Beetle had that body color on the inside, and it, it came off as cheap to me. And that's you know not what, what that's... I want this car to be. That's Lotus Elise, though. I mean, you look at the look at the Elise. The Elise does that. It has those door inserts in the body panel. Uh, the, it is. The body it feels kit carish, in. though, to me. I, uh, it, it doesn't feel it doesn't... genuine to me. Okay, it doesn't bother me. But hey, look, I have to acknowledge, of course, I just am, you know, flying along with really no real uh, education and knowledge when it comes to styling, and you're the guy that, with that background. <laughs> but I'm just, hey, I'm just an excited guy with a, with a fun little car to look at. Uh, I will say, you know, it's all bets are off until we drive it. Yep. However, yep. with this one caveat, Mazda has been doing everything right with their cars. The new 3 is great. The 6 is great. The CX-5 is great. The cars they have released in the last year or 18 months have all been superb in their market segments. And let, let's focus on the fact that the Miata is their halo. It's the car everybody knows from Mazda. So if they're going to get one right and really work their butts off on it, it's going to be this car. And I am excited to drive it. Yeah, I'm definitely excited to drive it as well. And that's the thing. We can't judge it any further until we drive it because it may just be so fantastic that nothing else matters. I, I really hope that's the case. So, Let's pray that the steering feels great. I mean, I, I have yeah. to say in the current version, the NC, I like it for a lot of reasons, and it falls a little short for me for a few reasons. I think that the FRS BRZ are better dynamically and better ergonomically than the current NC Miata. Sure. But that those cars have been a throwdown in the marketplace, and you have to know 
that this current, this new ND version of the Miata, they were targeting those cars. So I am excited about this fight. I want to get those cars back to back. Yeah. I this is oh, flown you, to the top you know, of my list of cars I want to drive. You know that's going to be driven or reviewed endlessly and yes. debated endlessly, and we cannot wait to join that debate. Absolutely. So we're moving on to the first of two car debates for today's podcast. Mm -hmm. We've got Edward. I believe he's in the Atlanta area from what I can read here. And wow, Edward wrote us nearly a book here. About, it's a good book though. Yeah. It's a very good one. It's about he and his wife who recently got into doing some track days and is looking well, for a track car because, and he's right on this. A lot of people defer to, Oh, just get a Miata. Just get an MX five. Mm -hmm. You're doing track days. Just go ahead and get that. And I think he's resisting because he's trying to f see if there truly is a better fit for him. Yes, yeah. they're great track cars, absolutely. But I'm just wondering if he's trying to find what else might fit his needs a little bit better. Well, he's there's a couple a things list. going on here as well. I mean, I, he's got a good list here. He's really thought this through. And Edward, thank you for sending this in to us. A couple things that we have to acknowledge that he mentioned to us here. First off, he said he recently got into track days with his wife. I just want to stop right there, <laughs> and I'm going to applaud you very quietly because bravo that you and your wife have gotten into track days. You're currently taking the only car you've got for that, which is your V6 CTS Coupe. Obviously, that's not an ideal track car. It's your daily driver car. You know it's not an ideal track car, so you're looking for 10 or so grand worth of focused track car only. You want you and your wife to be able to drive it. I think all of this story makes me happy. This is a fantastic thing, Edward. It is but great to read here. <laughs> also acknowledged, you essentially have the same problem I do. You're six foot three with a long torso. And just speaking directly to the Miata, I like the NC Miata. I cannot wear a helmet in that car. I would have to get the lowered seat rails in order to wear a helmet with any clearance. And your concern with lowered seat rails is your wife now isn't tall enough for it to work for her. So this is one of the other main reasons that you're going, what other than the Miata should I be debating? Sure. And both Todd and I are six foot three, although, yes, Todd's got the long torso and stumpy little legs. So around here, we Thank affectionately yes. call him stumpy and do all Appreciate that we can that. to find phone books for him to sit on. But anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, so you've got quite quite this list here, and we've got to break this down. We've got to, I don't know, split this up reading through it because you've put a lot of thought into it, and I think the word I will use is curate. You've really thought hard about what could work, and there's mm -hmm. some reasons mm -hmm. in here why things work, but there is actually one thing that stuck out. Okay. And you said something about the Volkswagen group that brought a little tiny tear to my eye that you will never own Audis, Lamborghinis, Bentleys, Porsches, anything they sell in Europe. I'm actually curious as to why. Um, clearly, he's had a very bad experience with the Volkswagen product because his actual line, and I'm going to quote you, Edward, because it made me laugh. Your actual line is, I'd rather <laughs> punch my own mother in the throat than own another Volkswagen product, which I have to, that just made me laugh. I read it and I thought, all right, well, that is very clear. You've been descriptive, Something but I now understand. Wrong. So Something clearly, no VW wrong. products, so we will kindly avoid that. You have listed off all of the following. I'm just going to run through the, just the list real quick. Mini Cooper S, Beamers in the E3646 and Z4 the Mazda RX-8, the Lexus SC300, which is kind of an interesting oddball, also the uh, Subaru Legacy GT, those are your two oddballs, and the one that you have thrown in that does break your no Volkswagen product, but it's an older one, is the Porsche 944, and you just said, all right, guys, help me out. I so did notice that here. So quite an interesting list. 
Well, it sounds like you've driven a lot, Edward, and uh, you had a Clubman S on the track, and you said, yes, it's wrong-wheel drive, so you're really looking for something rear-wheel drive and 10 grand or less. I've come up with some interesting ideas for you here. Um, hit me. Sub $10,000 BMW, yes, that's probably going to be expensive, especially if you go beat on it on a track. So mm -hmm. that leads me to think Japanese, possibly. Uh, yeah, this Mazda RX-8, fun car, but wow, we know it sucks gas, and the reliability could be in question, especially, again, if you start beating on these on a track. Gosh. Um, Porsche 944, that car, I've... I've driven it. I've not driven it on the track, but I understand it is one of the best mm -hmm. balanced cars for track use. So I applaud you for leaving that on your list. And yes, your Porsche file friends are right, but I understand it's a lot older car. And again, the maintenance might be an issue there. So um, I uh, I had some trouble sticking within the ten grand range, but I have two for you <laughs> in that ten thousand range because my top track car choices instantly went to the, the Toyota Subaru, the twins, the FRS and the BRZ, uh -huh. Honda S2000, okay. of course a Lotus sure. Elise could be a fantastic track car, and even that uh, Nissan 370Z, the Nismo with the rev matching feature, that is great fun on the track. So, sure. I realized, well, none of those are under 10 grand. Yeah. Really. So, I came back to your interest in Subarus, and since none of us on this podcast have any experience or ownership experience with Subarus, um, <laughs> I thought about right. uh -huh. this 2002 this 2002 Subaru Impreza WRX. They are, what, 12 years old now. That's the one with sure. the bug-eye sure, sure. headlights, those round headlights. Yeah, yeah, the older ones, the originals, yep. They're great cars, and they're ten grand. Uh huh. If you buy one of those, and they're all-wheel drive, I think that could be a lot of fun on the track, and it could be pretty bulletproof. Especially, you know, you need to get to and from track because you did mention in here sometimes, uh, let's see, it might be Road Atlanta or about a three-hour drive to the Barber Racetrack. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Yeah, there might be a bit of a commute in there to the track. So you want something that's going to be really reliable. You can go hoonered around the track, and then you got to drive it home too, and you got to take stuff yeah. and gear and, you know, who knows what to the track. So that might be an interesting choice. And I looked them up, ten grand, not too high mileage, maybe 100,000 yeah. miles. Yeah, I I think that could be an interesting choice for you. I like that idea. I want to come back to that with one of my curveballs later that relates to what you've just brought up. But keep All right. going. All right. Um, you're calling out of the Lexus SC300. Yes, I agree it was ugly. And you noted that that was the Supra engine. And that struck something in my mind because I thought, what else did Toyota stick that engine in? And it was the first-generation Lexus IS300, the 1999 to 2005 model. It was mm -hmm. that inline-six, three-liter inline-six. Yeah, yeah. That was in the Mark IV Toyota Supra that I really love. I have not driven on it, would like to. That also came with a five-speed manual transmission. It's fairly lightweight. It's 3,200 pounds, mm -hmm. so it's mm -hmm. not the heaviest thing ever, ever. But it's also 10 grand, and it's yeah, rear-wheel yeah, drive. Thought. Yes, I agree. It's not the most obvious choice, but it could be bulletproof. It's that same motor, and it'd probably be a lighter car than that SC300. Mm -hmm. That was the only, of that Lexus, that was the only one that came with a five-speed manual. The bigger V8 did not have the manual as an option, um, as I recall. But those two, they're both Japanese. One's sure, all-wheel drive, sure, sure. one's rear-wheel drive, and I thought, 
maybe those could be interesting track cars. Still maybe falls into another category for you. Still might use it for errands or bombing around mm-hmm. doing whatever. I, I don't know. It could be interesting. What about you? Okay. Well, I, uh, well, I mean, I, I tried really hard to stay within the ten grand world. I, I think you've called out some things that I think are automatically off the list for obvious reasons. Mini Cooper S, only because if you're going to pursue a track car and you're thinking about rear wheel drive, let's just stay there. Let's just let's just wipe everything off the list. It's not rear wheel drive. The Mazda RX-8 we already mentioned already. Cool, very cool option. Really great handling. Very fun to throw around a track. You were rolling the dice a bit in reliability. Now, again, it's a dice roll. Some people have no problem. If you take care of that engine, it can be great to you. And you can get those cars cheap because you either know what it is and you want it or it's off your radar. So as a result, those cars are very cheap. That is a possibility if you take care of it well, which is the exact same category I would put in your favorite uh, choice that I've seen you list, which was the 944. The 944 is dead cheap to get into. It would be incredibly fun as a track car. The problem with that car is not the buying, it's the maintaining. (laughs) It's usually the problem. It will be finicky, and it will be a little bit harder to get parts. It will be the most expensive, I think, of these older, uh, cheaper cars. It will probably be the most expensive to keep as your track car. But having said that, we know some people that run a Lemons car, 944 Lemons car. Mm -hmm. It's doable. They found it for nothing. It wasn't even running. They got it running. Yes, they got it for $300, not running. It is now their Lemons car. It runs well. They do all the wrenching themselves. This is a Lemons car. It gets beat on. So my point is, it's doable. But if you're going to buy the 944, yes, it's going to be cheap to buy. But keep in mind, the rest of that ten grand you've got will probably go to just keeping it as your track car. Though I do think it would be wildly fun as that. It would. The it nice would. thing. I completely agree. Edward, the nice thing if, about the track debate here is I just kind of went, all right, you can do some things that I would never recommend to you as your only car. For example... I think you could look into salvage titled FRS BRZ and maybe spend fourteen grand. I would never sure. say buy a salvage title of those cars and make it your only car. But if you're making it a track car, if there's not frame damage, what do you care if the car leaks when it rains or the materials don't match anymore? It's a track car. Who cares? Sure. So right. those things that I would be very worried about if you were buying it otherwise, as your track car, if it hasn't been terribly bent... You could get a car that is fairly new, would be a very fun track car, put some wheels on it, it'd be very reliable. That is, if you want to go that route. I know that's a little bit of a curveball. I think the E46 Beamer you mentioned would be interesting. One you mentioned in passing that I haven't even thought, brought up yet, 300ZX Twin Turbo. Now, mm-hmm. I owned a 300ZX. couple things on that. The Twin Turbo had the four-wheel steering. That could be problematic, but you can remove that feature. There is a fantastic, I think they're called Z1 Motorsports. Yes, there's a a shout out now. There's a fantastic uh, Z tuner with tons of Z parts in the Atlanta area. They could probably help you find a car. Finding an unmolested one would be very hard. Working on them is incredibly difficult because there's no room. You open the hood of a 300ZX and there's another hood. I but think it's all I remember engine. this. There's just you, you crack the hood and there's another hood right there and it's all engine. You would most likely have to up, upgrade the brakes and the suspension in the 300ZX to make it a worthwhile track car. Those It is underbraked for a modern track car. So keep that in mind. Very hard to find a clean one. Now, I'm going to go into wild cards. Okay. So before I go nuts, did you have another thought? I have some wild cards as well, but they're right, a little it. bit out of the price range. So, I'll yeah, I'm curious to hear yours though. So go ahead. 
right. 240Z. I'm not sure how easily you're going to find one, uh, but a 240Z, I mean, it's, it's the 944 done Japanese. If you could find one, those can be really cool track cars. I don't know that you're going to stumble onto one easily, but why not even look? And then I feel like I can't ignore it. The Mustang. The Mustang yep. is going to have unbelievable amounts of aftermarket support. It is not in its stock form a good track-dedicated car. But if you could find one with a nice V8 in it that's a stick shift, you could take that shell and essentially tune it to be whatever kind of track car you want it to be. If it's your track car, strip out the, some weight, put some great suspension in it, tune it up to be your ideal track car. It's going to run forever. It's going to be reliable. Parts are going to be cheap. I think you can't ignore the Mustang in this discussion. You could build yourself one hell of a track beast for not a whole lot of money, and it wouldn't be all that old a car. And I agree. Finally, That's interesting. Yeah, I just I was reading this like, wait, 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 wait. Why is the Mustang not? Yeah, I mean, I'm Mustang, not a Mustang can't be ignored. Fan, but but you can you could build a track beast out of a Mustang. You absolutely could. But then the last thing I'm going to go with, you mentioned it earlier, and it sparked me. Get an old if and this look. I will acknowledge right now, Edward. This is this is out in the weeds. <laughs> totally different than the stuff we're talking about because you cannot just turnkey what I'm about to say. Buy your eight or ten thousand dollar old WRX. Contact the guys at what is it? Uh, what's what's the company That's, called? Uh, you know where I'm Factory headed. Five. Thank you, Factory the Five for their car. Project Eight One Eight car. Nice. You can build yourself a track dedicated car. Rear-wheel drive. Nobody else is going to have one. They're going to be awesome, I bet. I, I, this is on my short list of cars I'd like to drive, maybe even build, and I'm not even a big wrencher guy. You could build that car for fifteen grand. That includes your donor car. I was going to say, does that include the Subaru, or did it not? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it does. I'm pretty sure that was their point, is that they wanted you to be all in for about fifteen grand, certainly under twenty, And your donor car varies. I mean, you could do a non-turboed WRX and get one for four or five grand. And then you have a $10,000 track car. But I would go turbo. Interesting. That is fantastic you brought that up. Now, it's my understanding they you could also pay them to have them put together for you rather than you doing the wrenching yourself. Is that true? Could you I think you can. pay I think a bit you can extra and say, here's the donor car. I'm not a wrencher guy. I don't have access to a garage or tools. I'm I'm sure that you could. It's only money, right? I'm sure that sure. you could. I mean, their their intention was that it's fairly straightforward for a non-wrencher, non-major mechanic to take a donor WRX and build this track car. I All think right. it sounds intriguing, but I will acknowledge that is out there. You're not going to be on the track next week in that idea. That's very true. And we're a little bit outside the ten grand range, and my wild cards were the same. I thought of the Mustang. I even thought of the Boss Mustang. They're a lot more money, but anything that we're, now we're, anything totally that we're talking about here, if it's a track car, you know you're going to be throwing more money at it than ten grand. Even if you buy it for yep. ten grand, you're going to be buying suspension yep. and brakes, and you're going to probably start to investigate used Hoosier racing tires. You know what I mean? So you're going to be probably yeah, yeah, yeah. throwing some money at it. I also thought about, you know, okay, keep it American, keep it simple, what about a Corvette C6? I've seen a lot of people autocross those. They've got good power. You don't really have to care about the interior at that point. It's not your only car. You could really beat it around. It'd probably be a decent track car. C6 and would be a great track car, but I don't think you're going to get there for this money. You'd probably be back into C5. You might, yeah. Uh, C5 or C6, uh, somewhere yeah. in there. But, uh, you know, that's if you wanted something turnkey. 
Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I suppose. And you all and you always see those at the track. At least I feel like I always see those at the track. And you know, honestly, that is the place that blows your stereotype, Paul. Because when I've been to track days, the guys that show up in the vets are old guys in the vets, and generally they are handing people their ass. Yeah, I have seen older guys in vets on the track showing you how it's done, and some it's of them are in great. old vets like C fours and C fives. So. You could look at that if that was interesting to you. I mean, you already drive a, a caddy, so that might be that might be a good thought. Well, we'll finish up on my super duper track car wild card. <laughs> this is hey. way out there. I kind of feel like it's even further out there than your idea. Although I love that uh, factory five idea. Yeah, eight one eight. Yeah. This it just popped in my head, and I thought, well, why not? It's just something to dream about. Brand new. They're thirty four grand. The Lamborghini <laughs> dealer in West Palm Beach has them. It's what? a it's a Caterham Seven. How cool would that be on the track? It, it's so cool, but it's three times his budget. I know, but you're going to be spending money on your track car anyway. So if you figure your budget's going to go to, you know, suspension, you're going to be tuning up a Mustang or tuning up something else. Why not just take the plunge and get yourself a Caterham? And blow well, but, everybody else but, away on the track. But why don't I spend time dreaming about having three times my budget to, to buy a car? I mean, that, that I love this logic. <laughs> I just don't know where the money comes from. I don't but either, anyway. but it's just something that popped in my head. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. we've got yeah, plenty of choices you. in the range. So, Well, Edward, thank you for that, that write-up, and we hope that was helpful. And let's move on to our friend Kevin in Houston. Yes. And he wrote, a little frustrated, because a couple episodes ago, we were talking about S2000s for less than 20 grand. And Kevin wrote us in in frustration and said, wait a minute, I'm in Houston and I cannot find a halfway decent S2000 for under 20 grand. And he wants to get one under 50,000 miles and for less than 17,000. And I will acknowledge, Kevin, I looked it up. You're right, that's kind of finding a needle in a haystack. But here's a couple things to say to you about S2000s. You could get, and and you're kind of wanting an AP2, which means second generation, so 04 and up. I did look. This is not common, but I will say two things to you. First off, when you're looking for a specific car, and this is anybody, when anybody's looking for a very specific car, what I always tell them is the same thing. Keep broadening your net. Don't look in your city. Figure out how far you're willing to go to find that car. And my my comment to you is, hey, I grew up in Houston. So if you're living in Houston, you should be more than willing to go to Dallas to find a car. So go 500 miles out and see what you find because then you start getting a whole lot more options. And I'll go back to something that happened with Paul and I. When Paul bought his uh, Cayman, where did you buy it from? Was it, was it Tulsa? Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yep. Yeah, so we flew to Tulsa and drove it halfway across the country. Why? Because he got a screaming deal on a Cayman in Tulsa. And this is what Paul did. He looked nationwide and found the right car. So yep. broaden your yep. net is the first thing to say to you. Second thing to say is... Okay, all of the S2000s are somewhere in the neighborhood of, you know, the better part of 10 years old, some of them 15 years old. But I don't think 50,000 is a worry here. I don't think 100,000 is a worry here. Now, I don't, yeah, don't go 150,000 uh, mile car necessarily, but I think 80, 90,000 miles on an S2000 is kind of getting broken in in some ways. I mean, make sure it's been well maintained, but I wouldn't I wouldn't be the least bit concerned about an S2000 that's higher mileage. I wouldn't say that about a lot of sports cars, but an S2000 over 50k, I don't think is that much of a big deal. Sure. Sure. I uh <laughs> had to laugh. 
for what you wrote in here, Kevin, saying that you're the biggest car nerd in the group of your friends, but you've never owned a car with a manual transmission. So we've got to fix that. You're right. We've yep. got Go to solve one. this problem for you. Mm-hmm. It's got to be light and nimble. And I understand you're looking for a Roadster like a Miata, like an S2000 or a Coupe, which I get. So it sounds like something rear-wheel drive. And you're talking about luxury brands scare you because you're currently working in uh, Audi dealerships. So, yes, I know this from first-hand experience. <laughs> German car parts are very expensive. They're great when you keep on top of the maintenance. They do last yeah. a long time. Yeah, but yeah. when you do have to fix them, it's eye-watering and very painful. So I get that. I understand. I'm coming back to the S2000 with Todd because... You know what? I wouldn't hesitate to buy a car with 150,000 plus on that engine. That engine is bulletproof. A 200,000 mile Honda S2000 wouldn't surprise me a bit. I think they would run fine. So honestly, I wouldn't hesitate. But I would recommend, as Todd said, go further outside of your home area because there are thousands of deals out there. And a lot of times people just want to get rid of the car. In my case, this owner had his fourth kid I think and he and his wife bought a new house and he needed to get rid of the Cayman and he brought money to the table to get rid of it he had to pay even more money to pay it off just to give it to me for the price that he sold it to and I got a great deal and I thought you know what it'd be a fun break in road trip Todd and I can you know put some Mm -hmm. fun road miles under our belt and just see what this thing can do on the open highway it was so much fun and it just sort of got you used to you know it will get you used to your new baby and and you know, what's better yeah. than a good long drive in your brand new car. So you I know, come back to the S2000 could, a lot. You could look nationwide, Kevin, I, but I would also say, even if you don't want to go that far, because, of course, you have to now work out the travel costs into your purchase costs. You may find a great deal, but the couple thousand you save may be blown on your road trip. But yeah. uh, but I will say this. I mean, the ability to go to Dallas, uh, tag one of your friends, drive up to Dallas for the day, and drive back your car. I, I, that's that's pretty straightforward, yeah. I feel like. So certainly look look wide. Uh, maybe you can find your S2000. Just go higher mileage, and you and I think in that car you're safe. I don't know that I go 150, but I think 80, 90. You can bring your 17 grand to the table. Probably find an AP2 and be happy. But if we don't go S2000, because you said what else? Yes, you could go Miata. If you're going to have this as your only car, and that's what you're discussing, I will say this about the Miata versus the S2000. The Miata is a more usable everyday car. It's simpler to launch. It's got more torque down low. It's kind of a a little better as far as just kind of usability and trunk and some of those kind of daily ergonomics. The S2000 will be more focused. It's when you get it back on on the back roads and you're handling with it, it is a sharper car. It also bites more, but it is a sharper car. It is. So, Uh, uh, I'm having trouble. (laughs) Kevin, I feel like a bobblehead doll in Barbie's dream car Corvette every time I drive a Miata. I just can't get over it. If you can get past this and something like this doesn't bother you, well, yes, buy a Miata. We, we don't we don't know how big Kevin is. We're big we guys. I mean, when I sit in when I sit in the Miata, the NC Miata, my head barely touches the crossbar when the roof is closed. That's no helmet, just my head. Yes. So I clearly agree. this it's car was not built for me. Feeling that I get it just. I get it. Why is the S two thousand the same recipe, and both companies came up with a different result? It feels like such a more substantial car and more like a race car to me. And I guess that's what appeals to me more. The Miata just still feels... Ah, it's, I it's get that. I get that. Entry-level-ish, even though it's great. I think a Miata is a better daily car 
be better daily driver car than the S2000. I think the S2000 is a better driver's car. So there's that. Yeah. But I have a wild card. I have a wild card for this money. All for, right. For 15 grand in your pocket, you could find one of these. The MR2 Spider. Oh, everybody, that was my wild everybody card, too. Everybody forgets this car. Oh, really? Okay, good, good, good. Everybody forgets this car. Here's the thing. I haven't driven one in a few years, but I have driven one in anger on a couple of occasions. This car handles really well. It is a better driver's car than you think. However, I will acknowledge, I think the interior is terrible. Okay? It is a entry-level, bad, early, early 2000s yeah. Toyota interior. The interior is awful if you can get past that it's a very fun car to drive you could get a great one for this amount of money you would never i don't think you would ever ever get it to a day where you did not enjoy driving it it's just not a nice interior that's so interesting you had that on your list because i put either the second or the third generation mr2 mm. and personally i like the second generation styling far better than either of the other generations the first yeah. or the third, I I think they pull it off a lot better, and I have not driven it, but I want to say there's more space in that car. It just it feels like a little bit bigger car, even though we're talking about a very small car. But yeah. I look these going, cars up, these MR2s. Now. Yeah. So yes, going older, but they do have a lot higher mileage. They are older cars, yeah. but you could Definitely. get two of them for seventeen grand. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> <laughs> have a parts car. That's a, that's a terrible recommendation, could. by the way. Do, oh, man, I could just see Don't the car rotting in your driveway. No, 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 anyway. no. That's not what I'm saying, but they're cheap enough. They're eight, nine grand. Yes, they've got higher mileage, yeah. but yeah. if you did want to save a bit more money and you did like it, that could be an option. And yeah, save, you know, five, six, seven, eight grand on the purchase of your car. I had another weird wild card on this list. Okay. All right. <laughs> You're going to laugh and I hope everybody listening has their seatbelts buckled because it's going to get a little weird in here. But <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> um, okay. I'm bracing myself. All right. Brace yourself. But maybe not. We'll see. You remember the Pontiac Solstice GXP and the Saturn Sky yeah. Redline? I don't think that's it that out there. It could be a strange choice, and you might be snickering under your breath. You might have just snorted soda out of your nose as you're driving, so if you did, I'm sorry. However, when this car launched, it had a great track record as far as sales. It was actually a genuine hit for Pontiac, and it had a great track record in SCCA Club Racing in about the yeah. late 2000s. It was a decent car, and we drove this car and came away thinking, huh, that actually drove better than I thought it would. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a bona fide hit. The reason it got killed was, of course, the recession and government intervention, so the entire brand well, was killed. And, and GM kills both Saturn and Pontiac, and the car yeah. had nowhere to go. Exactly. I mean, I, personally, I would have loved to see the second generation of that car, the second mm -hmm. refinement mm -hmm. about where yep. it could go. But if you think about it, you mentioned, Kevin, that one of the cars that you would own was a Pontiac Vibe. So that's what struck me. I thought, Pontiac, what did they yeah. build? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What about that car? And looking them up, you can buy one in the 08, 09 range, 50,000 miles, and pay yeah. twelve grand. That's think, amazing. Man, I, I think that's actually a really superb wild card. Kevin, I would say to you, go find an MR2 Spider and drive it. Go find a Pontiac Solstice or a Saturn, uh, what was the Saturn Sky Redline. Yeah, it was the Redline. Find one of, either one of those, the Turbo guys, and, and drive them. Because they're interesting. They're not great. It was it was like an 80-90% execution of what the car could have been. The downsides to it are it's a very plasticky interior. The trunk is the 
stupidest, weirdest use of space trunk yeah. I've ever seen. Yeah, and the top terrible. has a very strange must-get-out-of-the-car operation. But, you know what? You can find a deal. Dynamically, they're decent. That turbo engine was actually fairly powerful. It's, that's, a, that's a pretty good wild card, man. I have to give it to you. Well, thank you. You know, if you're thinking about it, the power is actually more. It's 260 horsepower in those cars. Yeah. That's more yeah. than an S2000, far more than a Miata or an MX-5. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I was yeah, thinking, yeah. okay, that uh, that third um, variant of that car was the Opel GT in Europe, which was very close yeah. to the Saturn. If you got brave, you could change out the front rear clips. You could actually turn it into the Opel GT, kind of have Don't this European-flavored car. I hate that. I hate the people that buy a car in the U.S. and brand it like they bought it somewhere else. What was the point? I just feel I like... I think that's kind I, of... Well, it's because you couldn't get one here, and that way your friends would laugh fine. at you just a little I, bit I less. I feel like I'm driving behind somebody that may as well have just taken money and flushed it down the toilet. I don't understand <laughs> why people do that. I don't get it. It could look cool. It's just an option. I just thought, right. well, if you wanted that look, whatever. Right. But as a car, dynamically, those prices dropped off a cliff. And I looked them yeah. up and thought, you've got to be kidding me. And then yeah. you remember that Solstice Coupe, the GXP Coupe that was super rare? That yeah. actually looked pretty good. Now, I doubt they're it 17 did. grand because no, owners are probably going to say, well, it's a rare car and I'm you know, either collectible or people are hanging on to those. People are hanging on to those for I don't know the second apocalypse. They're going to make sure. it a zombie fighter. I don't know what they're going to do, but Let's yeah, that, that car is not going to be seventeen grand. But Solstice uh, or, or the Sky, yeah, absolutely, yeah, could be interesting. So, be very curious we, to hear what you choose, Kevin, and uh, at least drive something like this. And again, yeah. be sure to spread out your search into other cities mm-hmm, and. Mm-hmm. Even look across the country first, even though you're not planning to buy, say, in Los Angeles or, you know, on the East Coast, something like that. Just at least look and get an idea of what those prices are and what people are asking for those cars. Mm-hmm. It'll help you get a better benchmark of, you know, what you can get for what money. And yeah, that's what, what I did. condition stuff in. Yeah, that's Yeah, I re- that's it really great. helped me because – and this car that I found, the car that I own, I couldn't find a, a color combination like that around Los mm-hmm. Angeles. And that's why I bought yeah. outside of town. So – uh, right, for me. We, we should close this down before you're rebuilding some car that doesn't exist. I we really ought to. We really All right. To so that was a strange. That that was the weird yeah. part, I guess. <laughs> that was definitely the weird part. Well, we've had the the All Miata right. non Miata episode, but uh, let's let's wrap it up here. Thank you guys for listening to our uh, car debate. If you're looking yep. for the podcast, it is car debate. There is We do have some stuff on iTunes that are actually old episodes of our videos because the main reason we exist is video. You can find us at everydaydriver.com. All of our videos are on there as well as articles and a lot of other things. Of course, if you're on YouTube, it is youtube.com slash everydaydriver. Remember that slash everydaydriver because anywhere you are, that's where we are. Twitter, uh, quick note Facebook, about the, uh, you can find us. Yep. A uh, quick note about the Patreon uh, campaign, mm-hmm. so patreon.com slash everydaydriver as well. Check that out. Mm -hmm. Let us know. That is an option that we're putting out there, and we're continuing to try that out. So if you can support us, please do. Yeah, if, you, if you're looking for, or we've had a few of you that have reached out to us just since we've lost, launched that campaign and asked some follow-up questions. Essentially, if you are looking yeah. for a way that we can do more videos and you'd like to be a part of that, Patreon is the best way to do that. You may have actually read in the news recently that YouTube is headed toward a tip jar model. We're very curious to see what happens there. Yeah, but in yeah. the short term, Patreon exists. We have a, a few little uh, gifts for those of you that are patrons. Thank you to those of you that have already signed up for that. We have some milestones to hit that will allow us to double our output. So we appreciate it for those of you that are helping us work our way toward that. 
please rate this yeah, podcast. Keep rating. It's thank working. you for doing We're so. We're seeing it. It's working. Yes. We're being bumped up. So thank you to everybody who's doing that. Keep commenting. Keep bumping us up. It's working. It's working. It's great. <laughs> Pass it on to your friends. <laughs> we, we love doing this, and we will be back again next week. So thank you so much. Thank you.